CEO School, hosted by Sunira Madhani, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destinations for business professionals. Inspiring women to make their mark, CEO School gives you empowering stories and game-changing strategies from top-tier female leaders. CEO School is here to help close the gender gap in the business world, because when women prosper, we all prosper. Dive into the latest episode, where Sunira Madhani sits down with Maya Manel of Nav.it, an app that's changing how women manage money and mental wellness. Whatever episode you choose, CEO School is your roadmap to level up in leadership. Listen to CEO School wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tech-ish. It's been a minute, so we're happy to be back with some new news. It's half of your hosting team, Abba Desi, founder and CEO of Hustle Crew. And, and the, the other half, Michael Bain, CEO of Pocket and Pocket Jobs. Let's go. Excited to be back. Brand new content. Okay, Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick off with some history making news. I don't know if you've heard, but Threads is officially the fastest growing app in history after hitting 100 million users in five days. If you've been sleeping under a rock, you may have missed the fact that Meta, the company formerly known as Facebook, Mm -hmm. has launched its own Twitter rival, further fueling the Elon versus Musk competition. And it's called Threads. Now, I'm just curious, do you think this claim of being the fastest growing app in history is valid, is fair? I'm speaking as an Instagram user where I feel Mm. that Threads was heavily pushed. I feel like the fastest growing app accolade should go to an app that isn't owned by a company that already has Instagram and and WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. You know, it should go to a company that's literally launching for the first time. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you've got a fair point there. I do think they deserve some credit because I think historically Facebook or Meta have never really been able to like launch brand new products, at least not for a very long time. Instagram and WhatsApp were all acquired. They tried to do a Snapchat clone called Poke that flopped. They tried to do a bunch of other stuff and it never really worked. In fact, the only new things they've done, they've had to embed it within Instagram. So Reels, Stories, which is a Snapchat clone. So I do think it is, you're right, it's not a fair, accurate picture to call it the fastest growing app. But I do think credit is due because when was the last time 100 million people downloaded a new app? Like downloading a new app is a behavior that most of us are now no longer willing (laughs) to do. We're just like, bruh, it's long. Where can I just do this in a browser? Can I do this within app? Do I have to get a new app? And for 100 million people, it's not nothing. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. And I've played around with it. I like it. I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest meta fan, but I like it. I, and I think also there was a part of me that was glad that there's an alternative to Twitter. I feel like I'm in a, an abusive relationship with Twitter where like, <laughs> I really don't want to be there. It's toxic. It's a toxic yeah, relationship. I don't want to be there no more. I hate the owner. You know, I don't, I don't fuck with him. I find mm. him very annoying when he posts on there. I'm like, then I'm reminded I'm in his backyard, so I can't even really you say are. nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that there's an alternative. And I also think kudos on the simplicity of the product. I don't know if you had a chance to play around with it, yeah. but like they, they got rid of a lot of the bloat. I don't need to see how many times a tweet was viewed or a thread was viewed. I don't need to see how many times it was bookmarked. Just give me a nice, simple, and simplicity is not necessarily that easy you know what i mean yeah. it's not necessarily that easy to come across so i'm excited i don't know if this will be the twitter killer i think they both probably can coexist yeah and it'll be interesting to see how many of that 100 million users come back and like yes. use the app because i've downloaded it and i've you know i pre- i think i have gone on it at least once a day but that's because as a business owner i'm trying to make sure that my business has a presence there and so far pocket has gone up to 5k followers but I mean, there's still like 30k followers on our Instagram account mm. that haven't come joined us in it. So if you're listening to this, come join us, plug, plug. But 
as a business owner, you have to kind of make sure that you've got some presence on these new platforms because you just don't know, is this going to be the thing that you're going to miss out on? So am I indicative of the average mm. user? I don't know, like the average Twitter person. I don't know. Let's see. What do you think? Because I want to ask you something. They basically, yeah. Zuckerberg was said, basically said, we want to basically build the first billion user text-based social network, basically. And that for some reason, Twitter hasn't been able to do it. Do yeah. they have a hope in hell in growing the pie? Not just taking Twitter users, but can they get Instagram users who don't go on Twitter to come on this platform yeah. and engage in this behavior? It's really interesting what you said, because, you know, people are already trying to make sweeping generalizations like, oh, Twitter is boys internet, threads is girls internet. And we know historically that Instagram has a predominantly female user base, right? So it kind of makes sense right. that a lot of people okay, have converted yeah. from Instagram to threads. It's going to feel... I don't know, just like there's more feminine energy there, you know, interpret that however you will. Yeah. But I, I just don't know if they can make it safe enough, interesting enough, generic enough to hit that 1 billion mark. Mm. And I think that point you made around users versus active users is really important because, you know, how many people listening right now, ourselves included, are Facebook users? You know, I have a yeah, Facebook account. Do I use Facebook? Mm. Um no. So let's see. I think the jury is still out as to whether Threads has got that long-term promise of being the go-to social platform. We'll see. Yeah, we shall. I think part of the energy that people are noticing on Threads today is a lot more friendly and it is a lot yeah. less toxic. And I think that's They not always are at the beginning. They always are. Yeah, that's true. I think it's a combination of new people. And I think, but I also think it's a combination that like Threads has not come out and said, we're going to be the free speech platform. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if that under the hood, the algorithm is definitely filtering out negative comments and toxic comments and just showing you in your timeline, just like positive stuff. Cause I think Facebook or Meta, sorry, are probably masters at like, you know, showing you a feed that you want to look at. Do you get what I'm yes. saying? So, and I don't think Twitter has really mastered that. Anyways, I think the one pathetic aspect is the kind of rivalry between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. And I think those two need, yes. to, need to get Very in a room. Good point. <laughs> I, think they need to, I think they need to get in a room and dis, dis, <laughs> discharge all the sexual energy in the room. Are they basically... planning to do that anyway? Isn't this like what the fight is all about? Also, this just is... to say, like, there are already threats that Twitter might sue Meta. This Good is shot. as of a few days ago. So Twitter already feel that threads is a little too close to home. There is some copyright ip who knows what else so there's already a potential lawsuit on the cards but you're talking about the personal rivalry right like the rivalry between elon and zuck to be the most important man in tech <laughs> yeah i mean there's a backstory here one back in the day they asked elon like you know you're really worried about ai and mark zuckerberg has come out and downplayed it and he left he basically said the most patronizing statement was like listen i spoke to mark mark don't know what he's talking about and then, oh, and, then, and, then I think, and then i think a few years back facebook wanted to put a satellite into space and they used SpaceX and it blew up. The rocket blew up, basically. What? And it cost them, yeah. What? And it cost them like $100 million or some shit like that. And I think ever since then, they've been on shaky ground and they're not really like super duper friends. Elon um, did process that refund. <laughs> nope. So I think now it's getting into really weird territory and it's getting into like semi like homoerotic energy because now Elon's like, let's have a dick measuring contest. He, Wait, you know, what? Yeah, he came out and tweeted that. He's like, let's have a dick measuring contest. I think Zuck is a cuck. He said basically. He's so yeah, unhinged. Also, he's unhinged. making neurodivergent people look so bad listen he's i think what happens to just being a piece of shit i don't think he's neurodivergent i think no, he's because a piece he came of on shit, saturday honestly. night live being like i'm the first autistic person to host saturday night live and i was just like don't use this you know neurodivergent like flag as a way to alleviate the fact that you're just a horrible person yeah i think that's a fair thing to say one thing i will say though is my money's on Zuck. Zuck is looking hench. Zuck is looking cut. He's looking lean. Okay. I'm even I'm even seeing people thirsting over Zuck. 
I saw what? one tweet. No. Well, I saw one person. She probably got about five, six k uh, Twitter followers. She was like, quote tweeting the image of Zuck looking ripped and saying, "Listen, there's something I want to say, but I can't say it. I'm no. too ashamed to say it." Oh, <laughs> sorry. Come on, you're not no. feeling ripped, Zuck. Rip it's just like Zuck. if an amoeba became nah. ripped. Am I going to start fancying an amoeba? That's harsh, like, man. That's harsh. Come on, man. This is an intelligent man. This is a rich man. This is a very well-in-shaped man. He's now got the physical component. No vibe. Component. No, no vibe. No, no vibe, vibe. No chill. Ah, uh, you know what? Though, you man? can get hench, but you can still be vibeless and boring. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. If anything, <laughs> it's like. What do you like? I don't know. I, I feel like I've laid into both of these men enough in the history of this podcast. But what, but... What, what, I have, <laughs> what I have noticed though is that it, I would say that Mark Zuckerberg's popularity has gone up, and I never thought I'd see the day. I think I see a lot wow. more people on Twitter within the tech space who now respect Zuckerberg just because, because one Elon is so horrific. No one. In listen, contrast, <laughs> I think one we are evolved apes human beings right so when we see someone in shape we automatically respect them a bit more unfortunately that's a sad reality and which is why society probably is so like fat phobic and whatever but when we see someone ripped we're like me monkey i see someone who's leader now strong person whatever obviously in conjunction with the fact that he's as an entrepreneur he's a killer people are starting to realize that listen man this guy's been at the top of the game for like 15 years since he was 21 years old he's now 39 he's a machine so i think the combination of that a lot of the tech bros who once saw Zucker's like, oh, look at this guy. I don't, don't really feel him. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like him. And also Elon is so unlikable that now it's become quite the popular thing to sway the other way and say, yeah, team Zuck. Well, he's just got different types of power, right? For a long time, he had brain power. Then he had money power. Now he's got mm-hmm. muscles power. People mm-hmm. like power. Yeah, it's that's, basic, that's what it is. like you said. But I F. mean, I'm still, I'm unmoved. I'm unmoved. I remain unmoved. You know what? So we put down in the chats that we want to discuss something that is another disturbing thing, but it's disturbing on a different level, as disturbing as Rip Zuck is. This is super serious now. Let me get my serious face on. Affirmative action has now been repealed in the US. So the Supreme Court has come out and said that admissions based on race is unconstitutional and that the initial impetus for the case was the idea that it was discriminatory to whites and Asians. It's a sad day, really, when you think about it. Like, it's definitely part of an overall backlash against efforts to kind of promote greater inclusion. What I didn't realize, actually, is that in nine states in the U.S., affirmative action was already illegal, including California. Nine? Yes, nine inc- states? In- including California, which is like the most progressive state in, in, you know, or meant to be the most progressive state in the union. But, yeah. that was, but that was voted out. What's your initial thoughts to this? You know, you're, you're an American citizen and yeah. you didn't go to college in America, but, no. you know, you probably know a lot of people that did. Uh, it's a really complex and nuanced debate. And, you know, when I first heard about it, I was really upset by it because this is the same point of time where like Roe versus Wade and like reproductive rights have been like overturned. And mm. there's just been a lot of very terrifying Step movements backwards. happening at the legislative level for marginalized, underrepresented, and still to today, oppressed groups of people. So I think it'll be really interesting. Like, I remember reading things like Margaret Atwood's novel, The Testaments. Mm-hmm follow-up to The Handmaid's Tale and thinking about a sort of dystopian future where conservative with a small c values override everything, right? Which is this focus on, it's all about the individual and like, if you can make it, that's great. And if you can't, that's your fault. You know, not really focused on like how the systems impact these individuals and and affect the way they move through the world. And I just wonder, is there a timeline in the future of the US where this decision is overturned again? (laughs) Because progress hasn't been made enough, you know, for people who are historically not carrying generational wealth forward into the future, Mm -hmm. therefore not being able to access the opportunities that lead to a certain level of education, the ability to 
apply to universities, the ability to fund your way through university. I don't know. I still feel like the problems that necessitated affirmative action are very much alive and well. So it feels so, so premature and unnecessary. You know, if we actually look at the progress that's been made as far as representation in the workplace, you run a recruitment company Mm -hmm. and a careers platform media company i run a yeah. careers community we've been in the game well it'll be a decade in a couple of years or a few years oh, who knows don't age us don't age us um, i'm still young man don't do <laughs> but the impact has been intense on a micro level but not on a macro level right like you've made an impact on your community i've made an impact on my community but i feel like we still have such a long way to go as far as like increasing representation yeah, at board world. level in the c-suites across all these different industries and i think affirmative action was about that representation and making sure that people who might not otherwise have the opportunity get the opportunity so you know overall i'm sad yeah it was interesting being on twitter because there was a lot of tech bros who essentially were celebrating this you know, Andrew Chen, who's a VC at Andreessen Horowitz, he was saying this is like the greatest day of my life. Basically, I can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. Because there's this idea that it should be completely based on test scores and that if you don't allow it to be based on test scores, then you're kind of subjugating the people who are trying like really hard or whatever. I don't know. It's just, it's a complicated issue. But I think one thing you have to remember, there's a book I've been meaning to read actually for a long time and I've never got around to reading it, but it's called When Affirmative Action Was White. And to be honest, I don't even necessarily even need to read the books. I can imagine the thesis because I see the thesis yeah. in front of me every day. And when I read the news, which is that the percentage of people who are white admissions, how many of them are like legacy admissions? How many of them got into that school because their parents got into that school? To me, the idea of legacy admissions needs to be the first thing to go. If you want to play this meritocracy game, let's play it. I don't give a damn how much your daddy donated. I don't give a damn who your daddy is. You ain't getting into the school. I want to see grades, motherfucker. I don't give a shit. Like, fuck this now. Like, if that's how how you want to go. Two, sports, that's probably got to go as well. I don't care. I don't care how well you play lacrosse. Like, I'm sorry. Let's play this game. Do you know what I mean? And I think once that starts happening, you're yeah. going to see a backlash. Once white people start feeling it, oh, actually, hold on. Can we go back to taking a more holistic look at kind of academics and blah, blah, blah? Because if it goes down to test scores, it's, you know what I mean? You're going to see a lot more complaints. The other thing I would say, though, is that the things that I would like to see follow through, one, if they're going to remove race as an admission policy, I think they should definitely factor in income. And the reason why I yes. say that is because I think income would disproportionately help marginalized communities kind of thing. And then hopefully it means also that a lot of people decide to go to like HBCUs and kind of help build up black institutions. If you don't feel welcome at Harvard, can we build up these institutions that are probably neglected and underfunded right now, but probably could do with the influx of talent? Do you know what I mean? And then I think finally, my most controversial point, I think my most controversial point, which I don't think most people listening would agree, is that I do think affirmative action as it was probably was too broad in a sense that I do think it should have been more targeted towards the descendants of slaves and Native Americans specifically as opposed to just saying race in general because I feel like if I move to America and I'm a successful businessman and my child goes there I don't think that my, my child should take a place of somebody who's been on that land for like 400 years and was whose grandparents was banned from going to that institution yeah you get what I'm saying specifically like oh my granddad yeah. had to go here they said no do you know what I mean is my child on equal footing to that person's child no I don't think so so I think it should have been more targeting and that targeted and that might have made it less controversial people realize that actually this is part of a broad-based reparations effort to amend what's happened in the past as opposed to just saying oh race like then it's like you could be the son of a black billionaire and be like yeah i'm coming into harvard thanks like i'm taking up a space (laughs) do you know what i mean so but even then though regardless i think it would have still had backlash because white supremacy is what white supremacy is going to do you know what i'm saying so um but anyway is there anything i've said that you that's, that's picked your brain or made you think anything You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. 
Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. I think it's just worth saying that, you know, thinking about this in an intersectional way, it's not just about race. It's also, like you said, about economic background. It's mm -hmm. also about network. It's also schools. about, yeah, schools, connection, all those sorts of things. And from what I've been reading, a lot of people felt that, to your point, a lot of affirmative action stuff focused on the Black experience exclusively, right? And there are a lot of people from like Asian American backgrounds or whatever that kind of felt that this isn't benefiting us. So if it's not benefiting us, but we're affected by it, then we might as well not have it. So that's just like a part of the discourse that I've seen happening. Um, you know, there's definitely like a lot more to explore, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it'll be really interesting to see. Sadly, it will take absolutely decades to see the true impact of this. But it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. And I suspect it will benefit the status quo. Yeah, as usual. You sent me an article about the Guardian and slavery. Like, you want to break that down? Yeah, well, I just think it's really interesting that we've reached this period of time where people are sort of like reckoning with the past and thinking about how to move into the future. And just off the back of talking about the affirmative action repeals in the US, I was thinking about how more and more organizations are looking back to their links to the past, specifically their links to slavery. And it was mm -hmm. really interesting to see organizations like the Guardian sort of like invest in investigating this and confront mm -hmm. their past. And I was just curious, do you think more and more organizations, especially those that sort of like align with more progressive values, equity, anti-racism, do you see more organizations like The Guardian going down that investigative route, trying to understand if at any point they financially benefited from the slave trade and basically exposing that to the public and starting that discourse before they get busted or they get outed. I, I don't know. I mean, what is the end result? Is it just to kind of spike themselves on the bottom and say, oh, look it's at poor us. Accountability to what, what does that lead to? If it's just like, oh, mm. look, at, look at what we did. Aren't we, you know, brave for exposing? Like, are you going to start shifting funds now? Are you going to start setting up a certain, you know, is there going to be an allocation of money to someone or mm. somewhere or someplace? Like, that's what I want to know. I don't want to yeah. just hear, we did this, we did that. Because we can all do that homework if we want to. And yeah. most of us can look at a bank and just know, okay, there was some slavery money here or there was some colonialism money here. We we know, I don't even, I can guess anything yeah. that's <laughs> existed for a hundred plus years. You can't yeah. tell me that you were not touched by slavery or you did not benefit from it or from or colonialism in one way or the other. I want to know yes. what is the tangible things that you will do with that information. This whole, let's start a discourse thing. We've been discoursing for 10 years, bruv, let's, or for a hundred <laughs> years actually. Let's get it popping. Where's the money at? I'm going to keep it real now. I'm getting absolutely Where honest. The reparations now. Part cut the check to, to, you know, to the sentence of slavery and to countries that were colonized or whatever the hell you did. But it's interesting though, because I think so at they least are actually starting a re re restorative justice fund. So in this case, and restorative justice is kind of used interchangeably with reparations. And it is mm -hmm. this idea of like, you know, beyond the apology, how can we actually repair the harm that we cause? So interestingly, <laughs> it looks like they're going to be working with like local communities in like Jamaica, USC islands okay. and actually funding. You know, you know what's interesting though, obviously the, the sad reality is if you yeah. go back and calculate the sum stolen, adjust, yeah. the, adjust, adjust that for inflation, there is no guardian. 
interest. God is, the God is black now. That's it. The God is owned by Jamaica and, you know, and certain states in America, in America South. That's it. That's the it's Atlanta so, episode on yeah, reparations. Exactly. <laughs> where people just showing up at houses like, I live here now. <laughs> yeah. I remember even seeing like an Indian historian saying like, you know, for colonialism, India's owned like 45 trillion. It's like, yeah, Britain, ain't can't, Britain can't pay that because they, they, they waste all that money. The money's gone, isn't it? So... Yeah, whether the kind of restorative justice or reparations can, you know, amend some of it, probably that's the only thing that can be done. But yeah, listen, shout out to The Guardian. At least they're trying. But I do it's think courage. liberal liberal institutions are going to be the ones to have to do it because these are the ones that are talking that talk often in the media about, you know, bringing things up. So, okay, let's see what you got. I'm not, gonna expect, I'm, I'm not going to expect it from the Conservative Party or the Republican Party or, or you know what I mean? But if Fox you're going to be... News. Yeah, exactly. But if you're going to claim a mantle of we are progressives, then I want to see some progressive behaviour. Companies are under pressure right now. Pressure to get more leads, close deals faster, and get better insights to create the best experience for customers. A CRM can help, but not just any CRM. One that is easy to set up, intuitive to use, and customizable to the way you do business. That's where HubSpot comes in. HubSpot CRM is easy for everyone to use on day one and helps teams to be more productive. Drag and drop your way to attention-grabbing emails and landing pages. Set up marketing automations to give every contact white glove treatment. Plus, AI-powered tools like Content Assistant means less time spent on tedious manual tasks and more time for what matters, your customers. HubSpot CRM has all the tools you need to wow prospects, lock in deals, and improve customer service response times. Get started for free today at HubSpot.com. Are you ready to unlock your potential and advance your career? Join Asana, a leading work management platform that's pioneering the future of work. Asana has a number of growth opportunities, including leadership positions across all departments, and they have a thriving black ERG that fosters real community. At Asana, you'll work alongside passionate people who are committed to your professional development. Every employee gets access to coaching sessions and a career growth budget, which is designed to be spent on your technical skills development. Visit asana.com jobs. That's asana.com slash jobs to explore open roles at Asana and join a company that supports your growth. What else has been on your mind that you wanted to chat about? You know what? I wanted to see how you felt about this whole Jonah Hill situation. I don't know if you've okay. been following it. So Jonah Hill, the actor. Break it down Super- for me. He's an actor. He was in Superbad. He was in Wolf of Wall Street. He's. I wouldn't say he's like, I mean, you know who Jonah Hill is, obviously, but I'm just giving the back. Right. I wouldn't say he's A-list, but he's probably just below A-list, probably. And he was in a long-term relationship with a surfer. I think she was 25 years old. And she recently just leaked a text message from their previous relationship, essentially... Yeah him outlining all of the things he didn't want her to do. Now, the, oh, why wow. this is interesting is because he was using the language of therapy. He was using the language oh, interesting. of, these are my boundaries. Yeah. I don't want you having these friendships, boundaryless friendships with men. I don't want you doing surfing pictures in a bikini. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing that. And it was a list of stuff. And you're saying that you want marriage and kids. So you're 25. Don't give me that. I'm too young for this now. Like, these are my boundaries. If you don't like it, then we can just call it quits. Now, it's started an interesting conversation interesting. because obviously the language is one where you'd be like, oh, this is fair. You know, it's just very therapized language. It sounds very kind of thing. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's hella controlling. Do you of know course. what I'm saying? And what she did was amazing. She showed a picture of how they initially met and how they initially met was through an Instagram conversation where he basically heart-eyed a picture of her surfing in her bikini. So now that he's in a relationship <laughs> with her, now that he's in a relationship with her, he's like, yeah, take this all down. I don't want to see this, blah, 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 blah. Now, I do think it's a bit petty. I don't necessarily agree with exposing private text messages that you had in a relationship. I'm not necessarily pro that, but I do agree like that, generally speaking, yo, like this controlling thing's got to go. I'm giving you the backstory. Like, do you have any thoughts on this type of behavior? And what do you think about people who use the language, go to therapy yeah. and then use it for evil? <laughs> That's the only way I can say it, like... 
Yeah. Do you know what was really interesting? I'm actually, before I answer your question, just going to put myself in like Jonah Hill's shoes. And I just, and this is going to be weird because I'm always like the ranting feminist, but I think I completely understand the fear that a lot of cis men have right now, just Mm -hmm. around like, oh, I literally just started a relationship with this person and now it's in the global press and that could affect, I don't know, like my income or my earnings. I just find that very curious. What was the motivation to go to the media with this conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, does the ex-girlfriend gain and why is that important? And I just think that's really interesting food for thought that I'd be thinking about. But anyway, back to your question. It's basically gaslighting. (laughs) What's happening here? Like, these are my boundaries slash I'm trying to control you. That's not boundaries, right? Boundaries are things like this is what I need. This is what makes me feel comfortable. And they're not things that should harm someone else. But when you're actually telling someone how to behave and restricting that behavior and restricting what they do, especially in a way that could impact their career, you're hurting them. Mm -hmm. You're hurt. You're making them feel like them doing their job is something that they should feel guilty for or ashamed for. The frustrating thing about living in a time where we talk about our feelings and we talk about mental health and we talk about psychology is that we have a language and that language can be weaponized, right? Like yeah. people now have words, have vocabulary that they can use to manipulate others for their own benefit and for their own outcome. And trust me, as someone that works in this space, I've also been on the receiving end of it. I've been on the receiving end of it with people that I work with, people that I collaborate with. You're making me feel unsafe. You're making me feel this. You're doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, well, actually, I'm just asking you why you showed up to the meeting late or why you didn't deliver that piece of work on time. So we are in a scary time. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel concerned that language can be used so easily to manipulate. And I think it's really sad. And I think we're also in a scary time because, you know, texts between people, yes, where they're problematic, end up being in the news. I don't know. I just feel like there's very little privacy left in the world. And some of that is by people's own choice. But some of that is also this version of capitalism where we literally commoditize everything. Like, oh, let's commoditize domestic engagement now because it contains high profile people. That's just, I don't like that. Yeah, that is sick. And I mean, to be honest, we're kind of feeding into it by covering a story because we're media to a certain extent as well. But it is what it is. I think the reason why the text messages were released, I think from my understanding is that Jonah Hill just recently announced that he was basically having his first child with his new girlfriend. So unfortunately, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if this was just a bit of backlash against that and the person was upset, whatever. But regarding the messages themselves, it just reminds me that like something that I wish I had to tell my friends and whatever, it's like, stop trying to change people. Like find a person who is how you want them to be. Stop trying to find people who are living a certain life and make them conform to the life that you want them to have because you're physically attracted to them. Like there's enough people in this world for you to kind of find somebody who basically maybe has the kind of lifestyle that you want. Maybe they are an indoorsy person. Maybe they're not really on Instagram like that. And there's nothing wrong with vice versa, both styles of living in my opinion. But if you want one style of living, find that person. Stop trying to get people and like cage them. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they, they're just going to end up resenting you and it's going to end up on Instagram. And that's your damn fault. That's your own damn fault. <laughs> By you know the way, mean? didn't you recommend a documentary between Jonah Hill and his therapist to me? I did. A Netflix did, yeah. documentary? The so documentary. how's the... that therapy working out for him <laughs> when he be out here bullying women into submission? Like, I'm confused. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I think the documentary, to be honest... He's trying to like, put himself out there as like the hallmark of like self-awareness. And then he's nah, out if, here if, like if, manipulating... If he, 
and bullying women. If you if you watch a documentary, like, I don't think he hides the fact that he's quite broken, and he's a very he admits that he's a very insecure person. Things to do with his weight, everything, right? So the documentary was good in a sense that you can see what it's like to go to therapy as somebody who might have issues. But obviously, he's not a Dalai Lama or he's not a Buddha. He's not healed. He's not a Zen master, right? So obviously, it doesn't surprise me that he's still doing imperfect shit. I still think the documentary. I think it's called Stuts. It's still worth a watch if you're interested in therapy or wanted to go to therapy. And I actually know a few people that went to therapy because of that documentary who were like, oh, you know what? I need this kind of thing. You know what mm. I mean? This, this is something that I need in my life, isn't it? And the principles that the documentary go over are still quite sound. But I just think, yeah, you know what, man? Like, stop trying to control people. Stop trying to make people <laughs> who they're not. And just vibe, vibe with who's on your vibe already. That's all I'm going to say. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Techish. If you enjoyed this episode, why don't you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and maybe forward it to a friend who'd like to listen to us too.